Welcome to the Variety Hour, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mouth. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Welcome to Talk Money. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome to Talk Money, where we talk about everything financial, Medicare, Medicare supplements, Medicare Part D. There's good news and bad news when you approach the eligibility age of Medicare. Well, Shannon Dyson's here to help us understand the ABCs of Medicare. Also, we have Ted Miter coming up with us. He's going to be talking about the fundamental facts of retirement life. Key thought is... You don't want to outlive your money before, you know, you don't want your money to run out before you do. So we're going to talk about that on today's program. From our Did You Know Files, the National Federation of Independent Businesses recently published that seven out of eight small businesses, that's 88 percent, in the United States reported in early May of 2018 that they are having difficulties, listen, difficulties finding Qualified candidates for job openings. So if you're looking for a job, now is a good time to be looking. In fact, job openings in the United States this spring exceeded the number of job seekers for the first time since we started keeping that record in 2000. That's a that's a pretty strong number there. The Department of Labor says that only six months of the last 40 years have produced an unemployment rate of 3.9% or less, and that's including the 3.8% of unemployment rate that, was, of course, came out in May. Six months out of 40 years, guess what? That's one out of every 80 months. Hey, we got a pretty good job going, you know, pretty good unemployment rate going right now. The Employment Research Institute says that 21% of retirees currently receiving monthly Social Security retirement benefits did not begin taking that monthly benefit until at least age 66. That's 21%. 45% of retirees begin taking their Social Security retirement benefit at age 62. You're going to find out today, is that best for you? So stay with us because that's kind of important. From the Wall Street Journal, 61.5% of a million people, that's 61.5, not percent, 61.5 million people receive retirement or disability benefits from Social Security and 58.4 million receive Medicare. And it is projected, projected that retirement program reserves will be depleted in 2034, which is now, this year, it's a year sooner than was projected last year. And should you be concerned? That's the question. Coming up, Shine and Dyson, the ABCs of Medicare. Ted Miner, you don't want your money to run out before you do. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and you're listening to The Voice, KWAM 990 and FM 107.9. This is Talk Money. Podcasts of Talk Money are available in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. Jim Shoemaker and Ted Miner are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. 
Well, it's of course to always tell you that if you've got questions for Talk Money, just send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. That's talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We'll try to get your questions on as we always do. In fact, today we're going to be answering questions that you've sent us pertaining to Medicare. And it's one of those subjects that is it's complicated. At when you reach that magical age of 65, you have to do something, and sometimes you kind of freeze and you don't. So that's where the questions come from. So our guest today, Shannon Dyson, Vice President of Shoemaker Insurance Solutions. Welcome to the program, sir. Thanks for having me back, Jim. You know, you always do a great job, Shannon. And the the key is the first question is one of those. It's the proverbial question, and it, it's a question you and I take for granted. But it's the question that everybody has to deal with. They have to make that decision. It's, I'm turning 65 this year. Do I need to sign up for Medicare? And I'm going to ask you a two-part. Do I need to? Do I have to? Right. And it depends. It depends on your current situation. So Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's try to answer the question, yes or no. <laughs> Not all answers have yes or no questions. I'm learning this. I got it. I, got it. I understand. Uh, but yeah, it depends. I mean, if you are coming uh, to our office and you say, I'm turning 65, the first question I'll ask is, are you, are you staying working? Are you going to continue to be employed? And do you have a health plan through your employer? Uh, if you do and you're, you like the insurance that you have and you'd like to continue on that path, then I'll say no, you do not need to sign up for Medicare right now. Uh, you can continue on with your employer group plan. And of course, even that answer has a caveat to it. Uh, if the employer is more than 20 employees, yes, stay on your plan. Um, if your employer has less than 20 employees, maybe not. Maybe it just depends on your on the employer, what kind of plan he offers. Um, if the plan that you have is going to make you take Part A of Medicare, there there are instances uh, if you have less than or if you work for a company with less than 20 employees where you may be required uh, to take Part A of Medicare. So it's a complicated question, but it's a question that once I, once we know the situation, it does have a definite answer. It does have a definite <laughs> answer. Correct. All right. So I'm not going to get a yes or a no. Okay. No, no. But but here's the thought. You know, Ted, I want to ask you a question. Let me introduce you. Ted Miner, he's Shoemaker Financial. He's part of our financial literacy team. And uh, Ted, you have in your practice, that's a question that a lot of people ask you. And it's a question that you can see they're almost fearful to ask. Why? Well, I call Shannon. <laughs> well, because there's well, do a, you get a yes or a no? No, Shannon is a great source of information. And he knows all the little intricacies, and of course, it, it's a government program. Right? I mean, what else can you say? Social Security is too, and when you get into it, you find all the ifs, ands, and buts about it, which normal people don't know. And you know, the people ask the question just because they really don't know. You got sixty-five for Medicare. You got sixty-six, which is full retirement age for Social Security. Both of them are government programs, and it gets confusing to them. So that confused, you know, when you talk about confusing, it, it's almost like you, you don't want to do something. You're afraid you're going to make a mistake. Here's the question, Shannon, that I, I get a lot. And I think this is why I wanted, we, we, we've had a lot of questions about this. Am I going to be getting less medical coverage if I'm on Medicare? Am I really being penalized? If I've had a good benefit, I am retiring, I'm stepping away. 
Am I going to, is my, is the Medicare co- coverage that I'm getting, is that quality care or am I really taking a compromise? You're right. There is a lot of fear uh, surrounding that. People will come in and they've worked at a large corporation for their entire life. They've been what they feel well covered. Uh, they've, I've got good health insurance right. coverage. And one of the reasons why I stayed with this company for 30 years was because they offered really good benefits. And so there is that fear of what kind of care will I get once I go on to Medicare? There's a lot of uh, stories that you hear and read about people not getting certain types of care, not being able to continue with their doctors. Um, it's been our experience and ex- as we've gone through this process that most doctors are going to accept Medicare patients, uh, period. So if you're, if you're seeing a doctor, you turn 65 and have to get onto Medicare or, or choose to get onto Medicare, you're not, for the most part, going to have to change your doctor. I mean, your doctor is going to be there. Your doctor is going to continue with that care. Uh, and as far as the benefits that you get, you get to choose. There are some choices that you get to make. Uh, Medicare A and B are, are static. You're not changing those. Uh, but there are Medicare supplements. There are Medicare Advantage plans. There's all different types of things that you can choose to supplement that Medicare coverage. When you say Medicare Part A and B, you're not going to change. How about helping us with that? So Medicare Part A uh, is your hospitalization coverage. And so that's the same for every American that goes on to Medicare. Uh, It does not cost you anything. You've already paid for it over your lifetime of paying in uh, taxes. Uh, But there's no cost to that. Uh, So if you were to go into the hospital, you have coverage. Now, that coverage comes with deductibles. Um, To be uh, exact, it's a $1,340 per occurrence deductible. So if you go into the hospital uh, in January, you have to come out of pocket the $1,340. If you go back into the hospital in July, again, $1,340. $1,340. For a, per, for a different thing, or can you be for the same thing? Same thing as if it's outside of 60 days. Okay, so Within it's, six, hospitalization. it's hospitalization, correct. Um, so that's your Part A of Medicare. Part B is the other part that comes along with Medicare, and there is a charge for that. Um, today, that's $134. Uh, if your uh, individual income is less than 85000 a year, or if your combined household income is less than 170000 um, if you get above that, there are some staggering steps up to not staggering. The prices aren't. <laughs> the number staggering. does get pretty staggering, <laughs> but it can get pretty staggering uh, if you uh-huh. if you make a certain amount of money. But under those uh, levels, it's one hundred thirty four dollars. Uh, and Part B is for physician charges. So if you go to the doctor, um, if you have some sort of uh, outpatient uh, procedure, those are all Part B. So anything outside of the hospital would be covered under your Part B of Medicare. If you just tuned in, my guest today, Shannon Dyson, Vice President of Shoemaker Insurance Solutions, and, of course, Ted Miner, one of our financial literacy people at the office, Shoemaker Financial. And, uh, Ted, just to, to help everybody understand, when I say financial literacy, you teach a class, you're a part of a, a program nationally that you're instructing at one of the universities or somewhere in the city. Tell us a little bit about that. right? Well, it, it's, a, it's a very comprehensive uh, class. It's six hours. It's a retirement class. It's for people that are, say, over 50, 55 years old that are wanting to go through all the details of retirement planning and know all the details of their own investing. It goes into uh, a great deal of uh, even complexity about investing and and some other things outside of the Social Security and 401Ks and IRAs and things like that. So it is a very detailed and we do that. I've been doing it at the University of Memphis. Okay, so the, this is this is the kind of the thought process when you guys talk about this Medicare Part A, Part B. When you get into the supplements, and, and I guess I'm saying to you, Shannon, that get, when I get into supplements, 
that is that is a complicated decision. So I want you to give us the overall understanding of it, because, Ted, when you're with a client, you've got this can get into the weeds quick. Shannon, help me understand what supplements we're talking about. Late night television does not help. when it No, comes it, to does supplements. Not. it does not. <laughs> supplements are often confused um, with Medicare Advantage. Uh, supplements and Medicare Advantage, a lot of people use those as synonymous with each other, and they're completely and they're different. they're completely different. And we can talk about Advantage plans as well. But as far as supplements go, um, they do exactly what their name says. They supplement Medicare. And so the deductibles that I mentioned with Part A. Is this a private insurance plan when you say supplement? They are. So they're all private insurance. Uh, there are several different plans. Uh, when when you come into our office, you'll hear me referring to Medicare as parts and supplements as plans. So Medicare uh, Medicare supplements have a plan F, a plan G, a plan N, and they all have different levels of benefits that they help supplement what Medicare does not cover. And so the decision then becomes, how much do you want to pay per month uh, for your insurance? The The higher your premium, the better coverage that you're going to get. If you want a lower premium, then you'll have more out-of-pocket costs. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing uh, if you've prepared for that in your retirement. So there are many different options to choose from. But yes, Medicare supplements are private plans. Uh, many different companies have Medicare supplement plans. Um, and they're basically there to help you pay for the costs that Medicare do not pay for. Ted, you're going to be talking about in the second half, for both of you guys are going to be talking about Social Security or, or basically retirement life. And Social Security is part of that. But we'll talk about other things. A lot of detailed things, but but do you find that people are making decisions based on their Social Security payment that they're going to receive, or how do they go through that decision process to go to the a supplement? And he listed half the alphabet just then, and that can get confusing right there. I tell you what, what is amazing is when people look at their Social Security. Of course, when you're on Social Security, your Part B comes out of your Social Security paycheck, uh, and people are always when I'm asking, we're doing financial planning. I'm trying to get find out how much they're actually getting well they'll 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 tell me without telling me that the part of their medic uh, medical expenses are being taken out of their of, the, of their paycheck right. so uh but what is amazing i guess i was going to ask Sh- shanna this question shanna with those big deductibles and stuff man it is so important to get a medicare supplement isn't it it is absolutely i mean unless you are prepared and, and the one main reason that i talk about the getting the medicare supplement when you first turn 65 or when you're first retiring is that that is the time that you can get it guarantee issue and so you may have some people that say, well, I'm fine right now. I'm healthy. I'm not going to have to have that deductible in the hospital because I'm probably not going to go into the hospital. If they don't take that supplement when they turn 65 and become eligible for Medicare Part A and B, then it's not guarantee issue later in life. So go ahead and at get all, that supplement. At all? At, mean, if so, you, so if you didn't take it at 65. Or when you retire. Or when working, you retire. Or when so, you retire. So the person that continues to work after 65 they're still eligible for Absolutely. the supplement. Absolutely. But if they don't do it, then they – back to the question. You're always no, eligible. You're just not guarantee-issued into the plan any longer if you don't take it when you first become eligible for it. Which is either 65 and retirement mm-hmm. or retirement. Correct. So and, retirement's and can, the key to Retirement is the key. And so that you can you can still get the plan. You just have to answer health questions. I and there you. are several kick-out questions that will say that you can't get it if you answer yes to these. <laughs> And those are the scary things about about uh, the Medicare insurance because, you know, those those little things that you don't know about. Well, I'm going to go ahead and take this, and then you get caught into a situation later. What I was going to say is that it's been my experience that um, most of the people that go on Medicare and end up getting a Medicare supplement, they get most of <clears throat> everything taken care of, uh, 
most of the time they're paying less than what they were when they were working for their com- for their company. Yeah, one of the things that the analysis that we perform is okay. You had great insurance with your company, but you probably still had let's say a fifteen hundred dollar annual deductible or a two thousand dollar annual deductible. Uh, and when you look at a Medicare supplement. Typically, you have no deductible or at most $183 deductible with most plans. And so when you look at the total cost of the premium that you're paying, um, and then if you were to go into the hospital, your total out-of-pocket, you usually come out way ahead from where you were when you were working. So so now let's make sure we just summarize that because that's a huge statement. If I have a plan prior to retirement, if I properly, I'm going to use that word, properly design my Medicare Part A, Part B a supplement that that is properly designed to I could come back with a lower cost insurance plan. Okay, that sounds great. Yeah. Is it comparable to what I had before? Typically what we see is people they come into the office um and they're hesitant, they're a little bit scared about what's going to happen. Um and if not after that meeting where they say, "Oh, really? Okay." Or if they maybe they don't believe me on the out-of-pocket cost. So I just can't believe that I don't have any deductible at all. Uh, we've had a couple of clients come back into the office. I'll see them in the waiting room. They'll come up to me and say, hey, you know what? I had knee surgery. I didn't pay a dollar for that knee surgery. This is unbelievable. Okay, let me make sure we make sure that everybody <laughs> understands. That's that individual. That is not going to, yeah. you know, we can't say that for everybody. Correct. But these but. are the types of things that we talk about with, the, with our clients. It's what do you, when you go to get care, do you want to have to pay anything out of your pocket? And if the answer to that is no, we have a Medicare supplement plan for that. If you have some money saved up, let's say your company uh, offered you a health savings account and they're continuing to let you have this amount of money to pay for medical expenses later in life, well, then we may want to take a, a supplement plan that when you go to have a surgery or go into the hospital, it does make you pay some out-of-pocket costs because that lowers your premium, lowers your monthly premium. But that's your choice. But that's your choice, yeah. Medicare Advantage plan. Let's talk about that. What is that? You said there was a difference between the supplemental plan, supplement plan, and the Medicare Advantage. One of the biggest uh, confusions I think that we see is uh, around uh, open enrollment time, which is uh, October fifteenth through December seventh, usually each year. Uh, there are a lot of ads on uh, late night television, um, and they talk about zero premium medical plans. You don't pay a dollar for your medical or your prescription plan, um, and they they just that's it's a, it's a health plan uh, that you don't pay anything for. Uh, what they're talking about there are Medicare Advantage plans, and those might be a fit for some people, but you just need to know what you're getting into. Uh, with an Advantage plan, they have a doctor network that is attached to it. Uh, And what that means is you must use a doctor that is within their network. So if you're going to a doctor that is not a covered doctor, you either need to change doctors or you can't take that plan. But that's normal with medical insurance if a person's 45. It is. You can't just go anywhere you want to. you got to go in network. And so is that that a big difference? I mean, it... Here's a person 68, 69 years old making this decision, or 65, whatever. Is that any different than what they had to make as far as it being at 45? It, it is in that the doctor networks are smaller. So it's a, it's a much smaller network uh, than what you have with a normal, typical group plan. And so when you're looking at um, the different carriers that have these plans, you want to look and see how, how broad is this network. If I need a specialist, how many specialists, how many cardiologists are in this network, because that's where you'll really see, uh, there may be several primary care doctors in that network, but when you get into specialties, there may only be a couple. 
The other thing is you, what you find out is a lot of people 65 years old, they've got a doctor they really like. They've been working with for 35 years, and they don't want to change it. So they need to find out, are they in the plan, the Medicare Advantage plan, plus if they travel. If they travel, uh, then that network— You're talking about travel outside the United States? No, or? I'm just traveling from traveling? Memphis to Nashville. Or, or These are regional Nashville, regional yeah. plans. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're regional yeah. plans. They're not national networks. So that, that could come into play. If you're traveling a lot, then you want to make sure you got a plan that, that's So let's, let's just put that in, into a real scenario. Here I am in Memphis, and uh, I want to go see my kids in Dallas. And uh, am I, I'm out of network. You're out of network. That's correct. And so there won't be a, a so, doctor. So I have a heart attack in Dallas and I'm in the hospital. Am I just out of luck? There are some out-of-pocket maximums even with out-of-network with the Medicare Advantage plans, but they're much higher. So you'll just be paying a lot more out of your pocket than you would if so, you were to uh, take So if a I have a heart attack in Dallas, you get in a car, you drive to Memphis. <laughs> before, you know, if possible, yes. If you go ahead, go ahead and do that. that. You're going to have some emergency services, and you're going to be capped. I mean, you're not going to be stuck with a $200,000 bill. There really? are there are caps with it. But you need to know this. But you need to know. And, and there are instances. I mean, look, the the... Alternative or the uh, the flip side of that is it's a zero premium. You're not paying anything out of your pocket. Uh, so if you're willing to take on that risk, if you're willing to say, I don't care, I don't go to the doctor that much anyway. I don't care what doctor I use. I'd rather save my hundred or so dollars a month or hundred and thirty dollars a month that I would be paying for a supplement and just save that money. If you just tuned in, my guest today is Shannon Dyson, Vice President of Shoemaker Insurance Solutions, and Ted Miner. Shoemaker Financial, he's part of the financial literacy team. We're just answering questions that you have sent to us through Talk Money at Shoemaker Financial, questions that come up either in meetings or through the, through the email. And it's questions about Medicare, Medicare supplements, Part D. We're going to come back in just a few minutes and talk a little bit more about prescription Part D plans. And if you're not going to sign up, what's that going to mean? Is there a penalty for that? We're going to find out is there a penalty and how long that penalty can go. So stay with us because because we're talking about questions, and I mean, they're complicated. They shouldn't be, but they are. They're confusing. If you happen to be a caregiver, if you happen to be someone that's involved in making some of these decisions, you don't want to miss any part of the rest of the program. You're listening to, of course, KWAM 990 and FM 107.9, the voice radio, talk radio for Memphis and the Mid-South. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon as research or investment advice regarding any funds or stocks in particular, nor should it be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, the key question that we're answering today is Medicare, Medicare Supplements, Medicare Part D. My guests, Shannon Dyson and Ted Miner, we're going through the whole process. We're going to talk about, in just a few minutes, Social Security. We're going to talk about retirement. We're going to talk about what are you, a three-legged stool. You're going to find out what that means, the whole idea behind basically retirement life, having enough money, not outliving what you've set aside. Well, that's what Ted's going to dive in with us. But we're right now deep in the weeds with Medicare and Medicare supplements. You know, Shannon, I guess if I choose a Medicare supplement plan, I retire. Retirement is the key word. Make sure we kind of get that point here. But retirement, if I'm 70 and haven't retired, I'm not, I don't, no problems. Correct. It's when you retire, the word 
keyword retirement. Correct. That's right. And it, or if you're 65, you're continuing to work, but you'd rather be on Medicare. You can still take advantage of that open enrollment at age 65. Okay. So yep. let me talk about this now. Medicare supplements. A supplement, there are many different kinds of plans. There are. Many different carriers and many different types of plans. So I've chosen a plan at 65, okay? I'm four or five years into the plan. I've been diagnosed with a heart disease or cancer or whatever, and I don't like my plan. I don't like the doctors. I want to change doctors. I want to get something. Whatever reason, can I change just automatically or if I got to go through the questions and, and am I going to pay a higher rate because now I've been diagnosed with cancer? What's the... Yeah, what's, so what's, once you get a Medicare supplement, you want to make sure that you're making the right decision on the front end uh, because anytime that you want to switch plans... So if, if I take a, a Medicare supplement with company A, if I want to change my plan within company A or if I want to move to company B, I have to answer health questions after the first year that I've had that Medicare supplement plan. So if I'm 65 and I take Medicare and I take a supplement uh, at age 70, I decide I don't like this company anymore. I want to change carriers. You have to answer health questions in order to do that. You can make that change anytime throughout the year. You can make it in January or February. Uh, any time, any month you would like, but you would have to answer health questions in order to make that change. So if you were, uh, there, there are certain knockout questions that each carrier has. Um, typically, they're asking within the last two years, have you had anything like this going on? So they're not, they're not going to kick you out just because uh, 10 years ago you had a heart condition. Um, they're going to be specific and ask you for a certain amount of time, typically two to five years. But if you answer yes to those, uh, you would not be able to change supplement providers. Or if you changed, you you would pay a higher premium. It's really it's typically yes or no. Oh, so oh, you don't really? typically get a, a rate increase. It's a yes or a no answer. Either you're not approved or you are approved to come on. So the you plan. need to make sure. All right. With that with that said, you you're telling me that uh, you need to make a good choice. <clears throat> yep. When you're trying to do this at 65. Tell me the questions that I need to be looking for to make a good choice. The main decisions that are the main things that we talk about when we have someone in about making a good decision. Obviously, uh, we want to look at price because the price, if, if you're locked into this carrier and you want to be with this carrier for a long time, we want to make sure that we have the best price. You want to make sure this is an A-rated company. And then the other um, thing that you want to make sure that you compare, let's say we're comparing three different carriers. Um and our, we're comparing, most people compare the price at age 65. And they say, okay, well, this one's cheaper at age 65, so I'm going to go with this one. Well, it, you really need to get the age rate table. And it shows you from age 65 through age 95. And you can look and say, okay, I'm 65 now, but in 10 years, I'll be 75. What is the price at age 75? And you'd be shocked to see that some of these carriers will have a really low intro rate at age 65. But then when you get to 75, sometimes they are double the cost of some carriers. So you cannot just look at what is the age at what is the price at age 65. You really need to look at the entire uh, rate chart. You know, and I and I hate that. I mean, it's uh, you, that's the questions that you've got to be asking. I know when I turned 65, I'm not sure how many pieces of mail that I got in the mail, and I didn't know any of these companies. Yeah. So you're looking for a company that's reputable. You're looking for someone that's you know going to give you some guidance and help you with those questions that's a that's a pretty tough uh, you know it's a it, we've used the word scary i'm going to say fearful i'm going to say it's a it's a tough question to make that people at this age at that age and, and especially as they get older uh really it becomes i mean i've been in I, you know as a cancer survivor i've been sitting in chemo with chemo patients and i'm thinking of all the questions that they may have to be answering 
Uh, it's a tough, tough situation. Well, the, the difference, I think, is when we're, when we're younger and we're working, we're typically making a health care decision for the following year. And that's really all we're thinking about. And you're is not what's thinking the, about health. You're, and you're, what's the, what's, what, is my, what is it going to look like? What's the impact to my paycheck for next year? You know, and you're making that decision. With this decision, you really need to, if you know up front, hey, I'm going to get a rate increase each year with age. I know that Medicare supplements are going to increase each year. You can't really make a decision just based on this year. You need to be looking 10, 15 years in the future with the company that you're choosing. What is the rate then? Because that's going to be coming out of my pocket. And and unless I'm healthy and can change, then that's fine. You can always make that change. But if something were to happen where you couldn't make the change, then you would be with that company. Well, we're going to change right now and talk (laughs) a little bit about Social Security, Uh, you know, or at least retirement, because the question that just hits us all, here's people making these decisions, and with the fact that literally we're reaching a point that is uh, one, almost 20, a little over 20%, of the American population today, one out of five, a little over one out of five, of our population today, Ted, is that baby boom generation that are now making decisions about what we've been talking about. And it's a tough decision, and yet the question that I think really kind of surfaces here, and when you think through this, is this idea of running out of money. And that's tough. Yes, and, and you know, you, you talk about the longevity issue. The longevity issues. uh is one that even even as we harp upon that, and even if there's a lot of information out about that, uh, people still don't get it. They 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 look too much at what what aunt aunt whoever died, and they don't think about the, the today's statistics and today's health care that we have and the things that are prolonging life. Uh, you know, the statistics are, are quite staggering in terms of the increase of age. You know, if you look at statistics from from uh, the Social Security Administration, I remember, I mean, here's an amazing one. In 1900, 1900, the average age, the life expectancy of man in the United States was 43 years old. You guys would be gone. When Social, Security, <laughs> when Social Security was started in 1935, even though 65 was, was selected as a retirement age, life expectancy was 63. Now, today, we're looking at 20 years longer than that or 17 years longer than that. Yeah. You know, in planning, you know, people think of mom and dad. Of course, you know, they, they are seeing some of the elements there. My dad is, is 87 years old. He still chops wood. He's still got a garden, still plays golf. Uh, Lily's dad died uh, in December. He's 97 years old. Uh, my mom's still living. Her mom's still living. Uh, but uh, but still, it it doesn't seem to get across that retirement is no longer five, seven, eight years. Retirement today, you've got to plan for 25 years. You know, when I got in the business, and, and I've been in the business quite a long time, you're right. We we would simply say, you know, retire at 65. If you live to be 72, we had enough money. We were done. And uh, today, you're right. It's uh, and I know the Census Bureau puts out a lot of information. The status, I, the statistics I was quoting was coming from the Census Bureau. One out of twenty, one out of uh, five people, twenty percent, a little over twenty percent, are now reaching this magical age of mm-hmm. sixty-five. They're retiring, the baby boomers, and they are living much, much longer. So, help me understand. Well, this seems. Mm-hmm. A, I mean, when you think about it, it gets overwhelming. I tell you what, let's do. Let's take a break. When we, the idea, it's overwhelming. Our financial situation is is tough. 
So I want you to kind of give us some of these thought process, some of these steps that you might help us go through as far as how do you kind of work through this financial structure? You know what I'm talking about? Sure. Just, yeah. just mm-hmm. give us some give us some real pointers to say, here's some steps to take. That would be very important for okay. us. You're listening, of course, to Talk Money. This is KWAM 990 and FM 107.9, The Voice. Of course, uh, I appreciate you listening. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. If you have questions you'd like to have answered on the program, email them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. The winter of 1811-1812 proved to be a tumultuous time in the Mid-South in more ways than one. From the middle of December to the beginning of February, the Missouri Boot Hill was struck violently by a series of powerful earthquakes along the new Madrid Fault. With an affected area of over 1 million square miles, these were the most powerful earthquakes to hit the eastern United States in history, including the 1906 San Francisco earthquake, which covered only 6,200 square miles. The town of New Madrid itself was destroyed. The Mississippi River flowed backwards for 24 hours, forming Real Foot Lake, and as far away as Boston and Toronto, the shaking was intense enough to cause the church bells to ring and chimneys to fall over in Maine. At the request of Governor William Clark, federal disaster relief was granted by the government for the first time. Had those earthquakes occurred today, they could have caused one of the greatest economic disasters in the history of the United States. This has been another Mid-South History Moment, brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome back. We've got uh, Ted Miner in the studios. We're talking about, really, retirement life. How do you go through this whole process of not having the amount of money that you thought you were going to have? How do you plan around that? Because the key thought is you don't want your money to run out before you do. And, Ted, that is a real priority to a lot of people. It should be a priority because, as you said, your mother-in-law is in her 90s, your dad's in his 80s, uh, he's enjoying life. I like the fact that you said chopping wood and playing golf. I'm impressed, number one, with chopping wood. Number two, playing golf at 87. Way to go. So there's a quality of life there. So you don't want to run out of money. And that's a concern a lot of people have today. And I would never tell you that he beats me sometimes too. <laughs> Way to go. <laughs> that's right. But uh, Jim, it is, and it's a change of life when you, it's a change of focus. And what makes it one of the things difficult is most people when they're coming up to retirement is they probably have lived pretty comfortably up to that point in time. You know, that maybe if they had children, education's out, maybe the home is paid for, they got more income maybe than they've, they've had in their lives, whatever that is. And they're living comfortably, and they really, a lot of people can't answer this question a lot of times. How much money does it take you to live? A lot of people can't answer that question. Mm, and that, to, to me, that is one of the largest tasks that a person has to do when they're getting ready to think about retirement. They need to know what, how much money they have to have, and then they need to know how much money they want to have. You know, somebody was telling me recently, and, I, and I, it was a profound statement that has just hung in the cloud over my head saying, I need to think this way. And I think so many people, as they retire, if this would be a statement that they could write down and think about, is if, what would I do today if I didn't know my age? And that's a huge statement. I mean, you think about how many people get to be 68, 70, 75. Well, I can't do this. But but if they've built the retirement plan and they don't think about their age, 
that quality of life goes up dramatically. When you think about all these golf courses have all these special rates for people over 65 and 70 years old, why? Because there's a lot of people that age are still out there playing golf and and they're still active and doing things. And that's the key. So let's go through these steps now that as far as how is some of the elements that you want to help somebody to go through the financial future, some of the structured things that you would like for them to do. Well, number one, they need to start asking themselves the questions. Uh, You know, they need to inquire about uh, some of the issues that they're looking at. Certainly, we've talked about one, the health care issue. What's health care going to cost me? The type of lifestyle they're wanting to live. They need to think through that. They need to look at the, their difference in incomes, inquire, look at the, the what they're spending money on today. They won't be spending money on later on. They won't be paying into Social Security. They won't be putting money into 401K. There's a couple of things, big, big ticket items. And then they need to start trying to learn. Now, here's something interesting. We do these seminars, as you talk about, right. and and a lot of times we'll, we'll get to have a meeting with individuals. And, and learning, you take, think Social Security, it's, it's fairly complicated. Uh, I had a situation where a gentleman came into my uh, office, and this is a fairly unique circumstance because he he had a couple of particulars in his life that just happened to match up with some issues that Social Security has. And number one, he was over he was over sixty four. I believe he was sixty six, and uh, so he that allowed him to take some uh, certain strategy uh, of restricted application, being able to restrict his benefits to a spousal benefit instead of an individual benefit. He had been married for thirty three years, so he had a, he qualified for having a marriage that lasted over ten years. But here was a kicker. He had been divorced for two. And the fact that he had been divorced for two, he was, he was uh, able to take his wife's spousal benefit. Now, he didn't know anything about that. Mm. He wasn't going to take his Social Security individual till 70. And so we talked to him, and I was able to share with him that this benefit out there, if he doesn't take it, it's just lost. And it's, it was about $60,000 over four years that he was going to miss out on. So so that, let me, in full disclosure, the reality is that was for him. That's that right. That doesn't mean that everybody would quit, because you said there were several things that he just happened to qualify because of certain things in his life. Mm-hmm. And we need to make sure everybody understands that that's very unique. That's correct. Just for him. But the reality is you're saying inquire. Not only inquire and learn, and that's what you're talking about. Just spend the time getting some information. Uh, It is a part of your future. That's right. And we were, that's what we were doing. We were sitting down and I was investigating his life to see what what would match up and he was filling me in on where he was and the things that were going on it was just kind of funny as that came uh when that came out i said well i believe i believe we've got something that uh so the key point here is you're saying number one just learn don't you know take seriously this decision that you're making in your life and again, the inquiring, that's the start. Learning is that process of spending time finding out from you. And again, we want to say that that's a great example. Not for everybody. He met a whole lot of those particular things. Just in full disclosure, that's not going to happen for everybody. But the reality is it may be something that by putting some energy into the learning process, you may find out more about what you are eligible for than if you do nothing. So two things, inquire and learn. And and after that, you start planning. You start putting together the pieces of the puzzle. You start thinking about the things that, that you need to start acting upon. Uh, do you have enough money in retirement? Do you need to be putting more money in retirement, depending on when you think you're going to retire? And then, Jim, the big thing is the number one reason that people fail in their planning process or meeting their goals is they procrastinate, is they just wait way too long to implement. Or usually they, if they get some of these things done, then they never implement the things that they, that they set out to do. It just sits somewhere. 
and they never do it. And that's why most people fail. So, so you know, you're talking about something that, you know, the key here is you don't want your money to run out before you do. You're reaching age 65, 66, 67, retirement age, whatever that is for the person. And again, it's different for everybody. And the fact that we're saying that the, the mortality tables today are indicating to us that people are living much longer. I like the fact that you said in 1900, the average age was 43. And, uh-huh. you know, and when Social Security was started, it was 62. I mean, the reality is, I mean, we have to come to grips with, the re- mm. with this fact that people by nature are going to live longer today than they did 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Yeah, and let me back up just a little bit. Uh, The reason we teach these classes for people over 50 is because if a person is going to retire at 65, he doesn't need to be thinking about this at 63. Okay, there needs to be some room in there for him to be able to adjust some of the things he's doing so that he can help with his planning process. All right, when we, we're going, I want to make sure everybody's got this. Well, you talked about some very fundamental, easy-to-understand thought process, okay? That is, number one, you got to inquire, dig in, mm-hmm. spend the time doing some reading, go to a class like what you teach or something, do something, then learn. <laughs> Not just inquire and say, oh, great, I learned, you know, I got a whole bunch of stuff here. Learn that, understand it, and then what you're talking about, do some strategically thought process, a planning process where you're going through that, and then don't procrastinate. Those four things are so critical to everybody when they're at this stage in their life. So what I want you to do when you come back, I mentioned it a while ago, the three-legged stool. I think that's critical for everybody. It sounds so simple, but it's so critical for everybody to understand it is a part, a fundamental part of anybody's retirement life. You're listening to Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. We'll be right back right after this. Podcasts for Talk Money are available for iOS mobile devices in the iTunes Store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, if you've got questions for Ted Miner, just give him a call at 757-5757. It's questions about your financial life. Don't want your money to run out before you do. And we've talked about you need to understand some things. You need to be not be ignorant. I mean, that's a that's a harsh word. But the reality is there's serious financial implications if you're not thinking about it, inquiring about it. There's a changing society. There's this whole idea of living longer. How will it affect you? That's what you're talking about. Step out into that realm. Don't be bashful or shy. It is critical for you to know. So inquire. And then once you begin to understand and people are making you aware, whether it's Ted or anybody, then, you know, you you need to step forward and you're learning and get some know-how there. Begin putting together your financial house. Know what you're trying to do. And and I think it's important because Ted said this earlier. Don't wait till 63 to start this process. The reality is if you're 25, be thinking about this. If you're 55, you're already approaching to being too late. So don't put it off. Inquire, learn, set up a plan, be, you know, work with some knowledgeable people, get started, formulate your goals and your strategies. And then I tell you what, Ted, you set it out, and it's really the key word. Don't procrastinate. Now, I majored in procrastination in college, and I'm very good at it. I'm happy <laughs> to marry someone that uh, Caref- also— Careful, careful. Yeah, careful. Yes, you did too. Uh, you know, that married— uh, she'll 
also majored in procrastination, but in the other side, she is the one that is very good at laying out the plan. And so the reality is you can do all the learning and inquiring and you can formulate a whole bunch of plans, but if you put it on the shelf and don't do anything, you haven't done it. I mean, it's it's trouble. And Jim, and you know this better than I do. You've been in the business a lot longer than I have, but the uh, one of the sad things is when you get somebody that, come, that actually gets to the point where they're ready to plan and ready to start doing things, and they come and sit down with you, and you think, we need more time. You know, we really need more time. And that's a while we want to be honest and truthful with them, it's, sometimes that's a sad message, a bad message it's that you have to give someone. You have to sit down with someone. But, but, but they need to know that before they sever that income with their employer because that makes it a lot worse at that particular point in time. All right, that's the key right there. Let's talk about the we, – we said, okay, no more procrastination. We've got a plan your retirement income nest egg, okay? This whole idea of I put it together, it's made up of the quote-unquote, I love the way you talk about this, the three-legged stool. Well, we're talking about putting together your financial inventory, getting together all those things that can help you in retirement. Of course, number one, the biggest thing for everybody is that that part of Social Security, and we'll come back to some particulars in a minute on that. Uh, because it's it's uh, you know the, you gave some t- statistics before about how many people are actually on Social Security. So there's a lot of people involved. Uh, most people do not know what their Social Security benefit is, how much it actually is. They just think that okay, I've got Social Security and I'm going to be okay. Well, that's certainly one part of the stool. And we'll come back again. We'll come back to some details on that. Second part will be if you've worked for an employer, then what sort of program do you have? Do you have a pension there? Pensions are going away, but pensions are good. Uh, a lot of people still have that are retiring today still have pensions out there. What's the pension? Uh, you may have a 401k, 403b, 457, some retirement plan that you contribute to or your or a combination of you and your employer contributes to. Sometimes there is a a matching from the employer based upon what you give. You certainly want the free money in that in that plan. When you put money in and they match it, you want to make sure that you're maximizing that particular part of that uh, of that resource for your retirement. Uh, and then you may have IRAs that you've moved over, individual savings somewhere, may have a, a, a rental home or something, other income that you can actually use for retirement. So you need to kind of pull all that together. You need to know what those numbers mean, and we can talk specifics about that. But, but to get an idea of what resources you have for retirement. So again, we go back to what you said earlier, inquire in and learn and then set up a plan and then don't procrastinate. You've just said, get everything together. Is that difficult for people? Do you find that some people, I mean, it's like, it's over here, it's over there, it's over here, it's over there, it's everywhere. What's the problem? Well, there's a couple, and and some of us not just getting it together, some of us just finding out what it means. Like, most people could not tell you what is a a $60,000 year pension better or is a million dollars in a 401k better. A lot of people couldn't answer that question. Don't know, they don't know how to equate a million dollar asset versus a an income stream. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so a lot of that's trying to learn again, what does that really mean? And here's what's interesting, even though a pension comes down to where it's a number that that uh, people probably understand, it's uh, they may not know what the number is, but they understand how it works because it's a formula in an HR manual somewhere. Right. So someone when they get ready to retire, they all of a sudden get a packet and they say, Hey, I'm gonna get twenty five hundred dollars. Now they may have thought that was going to be bigger or less. Uh, and then they have all these options 
A lot of people don't know what those options are. And those options can be confusing. Oh, they can be. So what happens in your practice when you talk to someone that you can sense there that mind is confused? What happens to that person? Do they do they move forward or do they just get frozen? Oh, yeah. No, we, we sit down and take the little bites. We try to take each each piece and we try to, to talk through it and understand it. If there's questions I can't answer, then we try to get their HR involved and try to get some, some data from HR to kind of help us understand exactly what their plan is. And then, uh, of course, when it comes down to their their 401k, here's, here's something that becomes complex today with people moving around is they may end up having – three or four plans that have been dormant, that have just been sitting somewhere that uh, are resources that they need to now pull together, IRAs from other companies and stuff that they need to, to bring together and, and know how much they are because some of them, they've been away for 20 years. I mean, they actually leave 401Ks at places they leave, and they don't do anything, don't do anything with them. You know, then you've got to do the tax planning. And the tax planning is they've got the RMDs. They have to. They know what an RMD required minimum Mind. distribution. Uh, that becomes somewhat of a concern for some. How do they manage that? How do they manage their taxes? Because sometimes their RMD can create you know a problem with their taxes. How do you work through that process? Well, it's it, it gets to be fairly complex because now you're getting into the traditional versus Roth situations, and, and there's a lot of details there we don't really have time to go over right now. But those two things are a deal with tax implications differently. Even Social Security, very different. Most people don't know what their Social Security benefit. They need to go on to www.ssa.gov, and they need to get a report to know exactly what they're going to get from Social Security, and then they need to learn their options for Social Security. So learning options, you've talked about specifics. Uh, you've said to us you know, some very, very great thoughts here. The failure to inquire failure to learn, failure to plan. Those are the three basic things you said. Didn't know what your three-legged stool is, but at the end of the day, don't procrastinate. That's right. And it'd be good to find find somebody to partner with that that maybe works with this stuff. Like you, you know, I get somebody to wash my car. I just take it through the car wash, really. But uh, <laughs> Well, you know, that's the key right there, Ted, when you talk about it. If you'd like to talk to Ted, give him a call at 757-5757. You've been listening, of course, to FM 107.9 at AM 990. Of course, this is KWAM, the voice of Memphis, which talk radio. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Thank you for listening. You're listening to Talk Money. Talk Money is produced by Greg Ratliff. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner. Production assistant, Eleanor Moskovitz. Compliance officer, Tommy Armstrong. Mid-South History Moment, Rebecca Brazier and Drew Johnson. We'll see you next week on Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker and Ted Miner are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.